Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. I don't know how many people realize how much Kathy and Dennis do in this church. He's here first in every, every service. He opens the church. He's the first one here and the last one to leave. He, he gets the music playing, sets the whole spiritual atmosphere. He gives people rides to church. We're going we're to have to start a, a transportation ministry. We're going to need volunteers to pick people up, take them to church, or do, bring Dorothy. She, he's been bringing Dorothy to church for, can't, I can't remember how long. Every time, every service he picks her up. Picks her up for prayer on Friday. We're going we're gonna to need to fill some, some shoes. And uh, so let us know in the next, uh, maybe we don't have to have just one person do everything. Maybe we get several. But we're going to have to fill, we're going to have to pick up where he's leaving. And, you know, it's not easy. Um, I kind of thought we'd have Dennis and Kathy with us until I went home. But uh, God's got different plans. And God's going to bless them because they're uh, stepping out in the will of God. And it's not easy it's not, it's not what I would want in the natural, but I want what God wants for them. And, uh, and so we bless them for the years and years and decades and decades of faithful service to this church. And uh, we'll, we'll have a little, we'll schedule something. We'll, have, we'll, we'll send them off with, with joy as much as we can here in, in a little while. But anyway, praise the Lord. Okay, Benjamin. Well, uh, before I get into the word today, I just want to uh, remind us that this is Memorial Day weekend. I can't just let it pass and not say something. Uh, remembering all those who gave their life in service to this country. And uh, I looked it up on the internet of all the, the numbers of soldiers, military people that have died in wars since the Revolutionary War, and their, their estimate was a million three hundred thousand. And they, they, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the War of 1812, wars in Afghanistan, wars in Kosovo, First and Second World Wars, I mean, all the wars. And, uh, you know, one thing that kind of always pulls on my heart is that there was over 400,000 Amer lives, American lives lost in World War II. And 92,958, nearly 93,000 of them never came home. The families never had a body to do a funeral with. They're buried in France. They're buried in the, in the Pacific. They're buried in Luxembourg. They're buried, they're buried away from, they never came home. They went to a foreign country to fight for freedom and they never came home. And I just want to not let this weekend go by without saying, God, I don't know how to, God, thank you for all those that have given their lives and we can have today what we have in this country today. 
that we're still free, that we're not speaking Japanese west of the Rockies and Germany east of the Rockies or something, you know. But uh, they fought and they won. And uh, so I just, I just say, God, bless them. Thank you for the, for, the, for the lives they gave, Lord, for us, that we can have today what we have. You know, there's, there's a movie I can't watch because uh, every, time I, every time I watch it, it just tears me up, and that's Saving Private Ryan. And the parts of that movie that I can't watch is the very beginning and the very end. When that old man comes to that cemetery in France and kneels and says, you died so that I could live. And you know, that's what God did for us in Jesus Christ. He died so that we could live. And, he, and I just thank him for that. Hallelujah. Jesus. See, I can't even talk about it without... Thank you, Lord. All right. Romans chapter 10. Verse 8. But what does it say, the word? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we are preaching. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, in the King James it says the Lord Jesus. In the NIV it says that Jesus is Lord. I just want to talk to us a little bit today about making Jesus Lord. The Bible doesn't say that we're just supposed to receive him as our savior. Yes, we are. We're supposed to welcome him into our lives, believe what he did for us on the cross. But the result of that in our lives is us making him Lord. And that means a ruler over every, every aspect of our life, surrendering to him totally. It's what Jesus taught us to pray. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in me. Your kingdom, I surrender to you, Lord. I'm, I confess you as Lord, not just Savior, but Lord of my life. Surrender to you in every aspect. And I want to look at that this morning uh, in the account of the rich young ruler. So if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. And we we'll begin reading in verse 16. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? What else do I need to do? 
Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard the statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished. And they said, who then can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. The rich young ruler, on the surface, he seems like someone who really has his, his life together. He's a, he's a, he's a moral man. He, he, has, he keeps the commandments. He's, he's not, uh, he doesn't have any secret vices or, or hidden sins in his life. When Jesus asks, uh, lists several commandments, to that he should keep, he, he says, I'm, do, I'm doing that. I'm doing, yep, that's me. I'm doing, I'm doing it all. And he's not bragging. He's to trying to make himself look good. It's the truth. And I, and I suppose that others, others that, that knew him would say the same thing. He's a good man. He's an honest man. He's a religious man. And he's wealthy. And, he's made, and, and the Bible says he's a young man. So he made, he made some wealth very early in his life. He's acquired great wealth. And, uh, you know, back then, and, uh, and to some degree today, but back then, people felt like uh, if you were good, God will bless you. And if you don't do good, God will, you know, you, not, your life won't turn out very well. You, you won't be blessed. And I think sometimes we still feel that way today. You know, I was, I was uh, thinking of that, uh, that song in The Sound of Music where the Captain Von Trapp and, and uh, Maria uh, are in the gazebo at night, and he, and he looks at it, and it's a very tender scene. makes me cry. Uh, a lot of movies make me cry. I won't mention them. <laughs> but some movies I can't watch, I just lose it. But anyway, there, there's this tender scene, and he, he says to her, he says, well, there you are standing there loving me, whether or not you should. And she says, remember what she says, but somewhere in my youth and childhood, I must have done something good. See, there's that, that feeling. It's like I'm being rewarded because I've been good. And, you know, that, isn't that what Job's friends were accusing him of? Remember Job's friends were saying, you, you must have a secret sin in your life because all this bad, th and we know that God rewards the good and punishes the bad, so you must have sin in your life because all this bad stuff happened to you. But that's not, it's not always true. But there's that feeling. And, uh, but this guy, he's, he's got his life together. And he's the kind of guy that every pastor would want in his church. You know, I mean, he's, he's not, he doesn't come with a bunch of baggage. He doesn't have all this dysfunction. You have to do all this. He's going to come, he's gonna, and, he, and he's going to probably put big money in the offering. Uh, he, and in addition to that, all, in addition, addition to all that, there's a humility about him. He's willing to admit that something in his life is missing. He, he has, he has uh, this, this gnawing feeling on the inside that, 
that something's not quite right. And, he, and so he asked Jesus, what, what do I still lack? I mean, he's, he's humble enough to ask, what do I still lack? And Jesus gives him an answer that uh, makes him leave, sends him packing. He went away grieved. The King James says he went away sorrowful. sorrowful. The NIV says he went away sad, but he, it's more, he was more than just sad. He was, he was wounded. He was offended. He was hurt. He was grieved. It's like, no, I can't do that. Why? Because Jesus, you know, if we, if we come to God with our life, we say, God, what do I need? I think one thing we have to understand, God is going to get right. He's going to cut to the quick. He's going to get right to the core issue in any of, of all of our lives. I wonder how many people today uh, feel maybe that something is, uh, is missing in their life. Uh, deep, deep on the inside, there's a, there's a void. You can't, can't quite describe it, uh, can't put your thumb on it, so to speak, but uh, something isn't, isn't quite right. You, you almost feel like, you know, I, I'm looking at my life and uh, I can't see where I'm missing it, but I feel like I'm missing it. Whatever it is, something in my life is, is lacking. And Jesus uh, goes right to the heart of the issue, and that is surrendering to him. The rich young ruler basically wants to live his life the way he's been living, but he wants God to show, he wants Jesus to show him that one thing that's going to take away this, this feeling of uh, something's not right, this, this, this uneasiness the spiritual uneasiness that's in him. You know, but show me that one thing I need to do in order for that to go away. And Jesus said, it's not about doing. It's about surrender. Surrendering it all, giving it all up and come and follow me. Giving it all up was, uh, was too much to ask. Too high a price. So he leaves. See, he, this young man, he felt like he was obeying all the commandments, but he was violating the first one. I'm the Lord thy God, I shall not have other gods before me. See, Jesus is saying, if you're really surrendered to God, nothing else should come before him. Nothing else should be more important than him. When we should be willing to give up everything in order to follow him, to change anything, to do anything, to go anywhere, gladly, willingly, in order to be in, in the will of God. But he can't bring himself to do it. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking of when Jesus, when Jesus called uh, Peter and Andrew and uh, John and James, the fishermen, and he said, follow me. What does the Bible say? The Bible says they left everything and followed him. And when he went, and it says he passed by the, the tax collector's office and saw Levi, who, who was Matthew. He saw Levi collecting. He said, follow me. What does it say? He says he, he left everything and followed him. So there were some that weren't afraid to give it all up. They didn't know, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my family? I don't know. God's calling. I've got to go. I've got to go do what God's called me to do. I've got to give it all up. I've got to, just got to step out and trust God. You know, that's why some people, you know, when, when, we, when we 
put things first. We put other things first. That's why so when, when, when the stock market crashes, some people uh, commit suicide because that's their God. And when that God is gone, they, they feel like they can't live. That's why some people, when, when their girlfriend leaves, or they break up with their boyfriend or whatever, you know, they go into this deep depression. They, can, they can't hardly, because that, that was God in their life. And when that God is not there, they, 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 don't, they, they don't see any reason to live. They feel like they can't go on. Jesus is showing him what we all need to see. That first of all, you're not as good as you think you were. Somebody said, well, thank you for those amens. None of us are as good as we like to think we are. And it's possible to have an idol in your life. If you're going to follow me, you have to let it all go. You have to not compromise. You know, I was thinking in Acts chapter 7, see if I can find that quick. In, uh, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is giving his defense. And uh, he's talking about the, the history. He kind of, he Acts chapter 7 is kind of a summary of the whole Old Testament in one chapter. If you want to know what the Old Testament's about, read 7 and then start at Genesis and go through it and you'll have the gist. It's, it's the cliff notes. I just thought that's good. I haven't, I haven't thought of cliff notes in a long time. Anyway, listen to what he says. He's, uh, in verse 41, it says, at that time they made a, talk about when they came out of Egypt, when the Israelites, and they went to the mountain and Moses was up on the mountain and they made the golden calf. At that time, they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing with the work of their hands. But God turned away and delivered them up to serve a host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. He's going to quote from, from the prophet Amos. It was not to me that you offered victims and sacrifices 40 years in the wilderness. Was it, O house of Israel? You also took along the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of the god Rampha or Remphim, there's several different spellings. The images which you made to worship, I'll also remove you beyond Babylon. What he's saying is, you, when you came out of Egypt, you, 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 we, it was easy to get you out of Egypt, but it was not easy to get Egypt, Egypt out of you. You brought along all these false gods, and you, worshiped, you were worshiping me along the way, but you were also compromising. You had other gods instead of just the one god. And, and we can't do that. God shows us who we are. When God shows us who we are, uh, we can humble ourselves and say yes, admit it. You know, God, I was thinking, whenever God shows you who you are, you might as well give it up because he's always right. I mean, you can't argue with him. You can't, well, no, but God's always right. Or we, we can humble ourselves and admit it, or we can go away offended. You know, when God... God did not uh, point this out to this young man to humiliate him or to embarrass him or to show, to show how all know, I'll show you how all knowing, I'll show you how powerful I am, I'll show you how all, I'll show you. But he, did, he, didn't, he didn't, he did it so that he could receive, this young man could be rid of this idol in his life and fulfill his destiny on the, on the earth that God had for him. In, Mark, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, there's a, a more abbreviated uh, account of this, of this story. And in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, before 
just before Jesus says to him, sell all your possessions and give to the poor and come, just before he says, and Jesus felt a love. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He didn't say this to hurt him. He didn't say this to wound him. He said it because he loved him, because he had a plan for his life, and he wanted him to see that and to walk in it. Why did Jesus require this of him? It's not required of, it's not required of all of us. God doesn't, it's not a, a thing in the word of God where it says if you're going to follow God, you have to sell all your possessions and give to the poor. You have to give everything up all the time. Why was it so important for him to do that? Jesus is dealing with him the same way you deal with someone who has an addiction, like an alcoholic or a gambling addiction. What do you tell that alcoholic? You can't, you can't drink again. You, gotta, you never can take another drink. You can't because you'll go right back into it. So money is his God, and he has to get rid of it. He has to get rid of that God in order to be free in Jesus' name. Jesus really is saying, at the root of the problem is a power struggle between you and God over who's going to run your life or what's going to be foremost in your life. And Jesus is saying, you need to give up that thing in your life that you think will bring satisfaction and fulfillment in you apart, apart from God. What thing in your life do you feel would give, will fulfill your life apart without God? For him, it was his money. For Abraham, it was his son. For me, it was flying. I think sometimes I, I if, some, if someone said you had to choose between your family and flying, uh, I'd say, give it a minute, I'm thinking about it. Uh, I just loved it. But God said you have to, you, it's, people, people say to me sometimes, have you ever done any flying since you're in the Air Force? I said, nope. God said, I've got to burn that bridge. Put it behind me. I, I loved it too much. But God delivered me from it. Hallelujah. So we can't have other gods before him. Anything that we think will give us fulfillment in life Without God has to go. You know how many? I wonder how many people, how many people fantasize. They said, if I, if I could just win the lottery, I'd be happy. You know, no, you wouldn't. If you could just find God, you'd be happy. If I could just marry this person or that person, I'd be happy. No, you don't even have that trouble of trying to please them all the time. The reason why some people's lives are out of control is that we're trying to stay in control. We're trying to have other gods before, before him. But God says, give it to me, whatever it is that comes first. Give it to me and watch what I'll do with your life. I tell you, if you just give it all up, if you really make him the Lord and you're willing to surrender it all, watch what God can do to a life. In Luke chapter 12, In verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter over you? 
And he said to them, beware on your guard and be, be, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Be careful. We don't want something that's not rightfully ours. And you know, money, money has a, a lot of power. We, you, the thing is, you can't live without it. You have to have it. You know, Jesus said he had to give everything up, but sometimes you can't give it all. I mean, I mean what, if, what if, someone's over, if someone's overweight, you can't say don't ever eat again. You have to. And you can't just say, okay, don't have anything to do with money. You have to have money to, to make it in this. So we have to be careful that it doesn't become a, a part of it. And here's the problem. So many times I think when people have money, when they get money, they, be, they begin to uh, feel superior to others. You know, I belong to the country club. I'm with the s- social elite. Uh, I live in the, in the exclusive neighborhood or whatever. You know, and you begin to feel like you're, you're somebody else. But money has, it's, it's like drugs. You know, it's like the guy who takes a, a, a hit and doesn't do for him what it used to, so he has to have more. And, and then after a while, the drug hit doesn't do it, and you have to have more. And money's like that. It's like, it seems like you, you get addicted to it. It's never enough. You have to have more and more and more. And you work, 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 work to get more. And, and, that's, and it becomes a God in your life. And if, it, if, you, if you lose it, you fall apart. And for those who don't have it, who struggle, and you know, if you have it, you can feel superior. If you don't have it, you can feel inferior. You can feel all anxious because you don't know how you're going to pay the bills next month. And so you work, 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 work to try to get more. You know, it just consumes you. You have to just be who God's called you to be and live, live the way God's called, called you to live. And money uh, has the... Uh, it has the power to, to, to corrupt us, to cause us to do things that are, that are maybe um, unethical or even illegal to get more of it. The love, it's the love of money, the Bible says. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Money itself is not bad, but we have to be careful. It doesn't get its grip on us like, like it shouldn't. The problem with the rich young ruler was not so much the money but it's the fact that it was first place in his life, that it was a God, and he, and he was more attached to that than anything else. But in, in, that, in Matthew chapter 19, oh, I should have stuck my finger in there. I got it. In verse, in verse 21, it says, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Treasure in heaven. He says if you give it all up, you, it's, you won't have a lot of treasure on the earth, but you'll have treasure in heaven. And I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I have a destiny for you. And if you're willing to just surrender and give up those things that are in the way, that are keeping you from drawing close to me, if you give them up, I've got a, I've got a plan for your life. You'll, you'll feel so fulfilled. That, that nagging, that gnawing on the inside of what am I missing? What you're missing is your destiny on this earth, the destiny that God has for you. And if you're just willing to give up, to surrender it all, I'll bring you into that destiny. And you'll have a fulfillment that you can never believe. You'll, I tell you, the first, time, the first time I stepped, 
when I was, I, I've shared this with you before, but when I was in fourth grade, in Mrs. Dow's fourth grade at Rice Elementary School in Holden, Massachusetts, they were going, they were going around the room that day, and they were saying, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, what do I know? I'm what, uh, nine years old? What is a nine-year-old boy? What, what do I know what I want to be? Fireman, policeman, bum, you know? So I was getting nervous. I really was. I was like, I felt, and it was getting closer and closer to me. And I, my dad was a salesman. And so I, I thought, I'm going to say, I'm going to be a salesman like my father. That's, I just, I had to say something. So that's, that was my plan. When she came to me, I was going to say, <clears throat> I want to be a salesman like my father. And she called on me. She said, Edward, my real name is Edward. She says, Edward. And I said, I want to be, and this is what came out of my mouth, I want to be a priest. And I remember I was so embarrassed. Everyone started laughing. They thought, Paquette the class clown. You know. but, so I, but somehow, even back then, I believed the call of God was on my life. And, and I knew it. I knew it, but, but it, and, that, and that sounded right, but it wasn't right. You know, I couldn't be a priest because I like girls too much, but the call of God was on my life. And when I stepped into the pulpit in 1983 in the Capitol Theater, filling in for Peter Puglio, I felt like I'd walked into my destiny. It was worth, it was worth giving up the Air Force, it was worth giving up all that for what? For, for this satisfaction of knowing that you found your destiny on the earth. So be willing. You don't have to give it all up, but be willing. Be willing to be what God's called you to be. Don't let anything stand in the way of you and your destiny on the earth. Give it all up and let God do with your life what he wants to do. You'll be amazed at how fulfilled you will feel. I mean, and there's nothing like it on the earth. Hallelujah. True Christianity is giving Jesus first place in everything. Making him truly the Lord of your life. Never letting anything come, become more important than him. And if we do that, He'll give us a whole new life and treasure that we can't measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.